Get ready for truth bombs and guidance from conservative leaders and entrepreneurs from God-fearing, freedom-loving, truth-telling, patriotic Americans. Welcome to Patriots with Grit. Now let's jump into today's episode with your host, Darren Ross. We are back, Randy, with another awesome, exciting interview today with somebody, I would say probably an expert in the area of General Drill Assembly. That's an understatement. And it seems like we, when we post these episodes and have these shows and interviews with these guests on assemblies, they're our most watched and people are rabid for information on them. They're just rabid for, uh, you know, to get more education and to learn more about this because... I think it's been suppressed from people for decades. Yeah, and once I get a little taste of it, then that I think with that taste is a lot of hope, and and to be able to finally have a way to have a little bit of power and, and try to reclaim this republic. Well, so our our expert today, which I'll let you introduce, will be talking about just everything general or general jural. I can't even say it, guys. General jural assembly. And then we'll look at some of the key six areas that he wants to go through individually. And then we'll we'll have some Q&A. We've had questions uh, uh, sent in to us. So, we'll so this is going to be a probably a little bit longer episode than most. But hey, our country needs it, right? <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Totally. We're going to bring on Bill Hermanson. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today on Patriots with Grit. We know you're a tremendous educator in the topic of general general assemblies. We've been to several of your presentations, and you always seem to over-deliver and, uh, you know, kind of leave people with like deer in headlights. They had no idea that, that that this even existed. So we are thankful that you're here with us today and let's get right into this episode well, if you would. Well, Bill, I want to tell you, I thank you because uh, you're going to tell me more than I learned in college. So let's just leave it there. And Bill is our only guest that's ever had aviator headphones on. You know, it looks like he just landed a 747. So, so Bill, here we are. Let's get into this episode on General Jural Assemblies. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, what I decided to do is uh, to essentially give a, an introductory presentation that's given um, to new people just getting interested in general assembly. Um, so it is to introduce people to an understanding of how to restore the American Republic that we've lost. So it's simultaneously an invitation to attend more formal presentations entitled we the people sharing the great, the great awakening. As we the people, we have the capacity to recover our American Republic. These presentations are free and hundreds are being given all over Missouri and in some other states. You see, right now, all over the globe, people are waking up to realize that reality is different from what they believed and that a fight between good and evil has been going on for some time, and the evil is horrific, relentless, and widespread. Many good people simply could not conceive of the extent of evil deeds being perpetrated, and so it remained hidden. It's in its exposure that evil loses its power, so it must be exposed to good people, regardless of how uncomfortable and shocking it may be. Now, this awakening going on is revealing the fact that extensive fraudulent activity has been taking place for many years. Once it starts to be revealed, the entire system of fraud starts to unravel. That is what is happening right now. Let me give you just a few of examples of things most people do not know that illustrate the extent of this evil, pervasive fraud keeping us slaves to an elite few. These are not trivial. 
All are provably true and have been intentionally hidden from us. These are examples of the deception we are dealing with that is designed to influence our perception of reality. Did you know that the Titanic did not sink? The Olympic did. It was planned as part of a massive fraud to get the Federal Reserve Central Bank established. I can tell you that the true story is far more interesting than the fiction we've been led to believe. Did you know that the Federal Reserve is owned by private banks and is one of the most evil devices ever invented by man, keeping millions of people economic slaves? Did you know that your birth certificate is a security instrument that's traded much like bond futures, mostly within mutual funds, and is tied to your SESTA KV trust account you don't know about? Did you know that the act of 1871 converted our government into a government services corporation and replaced our original constitution for the United States of America with a new constitution of the United States of America? Did you know that in Georgia, four monolith stones with capstone were erected in 1979 with writing engraved on them in seven languages? One in the list of engravings stated that the world population should be maintained at 500 million. That means 7 billion people need to disappear. Known as the Georgia Guidestones, these were destroyed July 6, 2022. Do you understand that the government provided to us by our founders was a federated republic, not a socialist democracy, but a republic was stolen from us? There is much, much more I can talk about that can knock you off your chairs with surprise, anger, and horror at what has been done to us by an elite few with evil, harmful intent. But obviously we don't have time right now. When we try to attack an evil force head on, using weapons we're familiar with, we may not be successful. And that's been the case for many years now. It's like Hector facing Achilles and being killed. But Achilles had a weakness that could be used against him by someone understanding what to do and how to do it using different weapons. Our enemy has a weakness, and we now know weapons that can be used effectively and safely. The weakness is immorality and fraud. The weapon is known as jural assembly. Jural means lawful. Now let's see if you understand the significance of three Supreme Court decisions in the Bill of Rights. First, you need to understand two terms. De jure, D-E-J-U-R-E, -E, means lawful, literally according to the law. De facto means what is operating or a rule people follow even though it is not official. De jure, which is lawful, de facto, which isn't, but is what's operating. First, the decisions. 1901 Supreme Court, Downs versus Bidwell. The Supreme Court has stated that the de jure government offices still exist, but the people have failed to occupy them. Well, what are those offices? A few are justice of the peace, sheriff, coroner, township clerk. 1959, People versus Brodigan. 
there cannot be a grand jury de facto when there is a grand jury de jour. Now, what are our branches of government? You know them as judicial, legislative, executive. How about jural? 1992 Supreme Court decision, U.S. versus Williams. The American grand jury is neither part of the judicial, executive, nor legislative branches of government, but instead it belongs to the people. It is in effect a fourth branch of government, governed and administered to directly by and on behalf of the American people. Its authority emanates from the Bill of Rights and it has the power to enforce law and remove people from office. Now the Seventh Amendment. In suits at common law where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of common law. And here's the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. If we didn't have the power to do that, why is that in our constitution? You see, we the people in assembly can petition the government for a redress of grievances, can enforce laws, and can remove people from office. Not only that, but in following common law, the verdict of our de jure grand jury is final and cannot be re-examined by even the Supreme Court. Now, the only reason for consenting to government is that it secures the rights of the people. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Who governs the government? We, the people. The Declaration of Independence reaffirms that we, the people, are sovereign, and our unalienable rights, granted by our Creator, are not capable of being transferred. Juilliard versus Greenman in 1984. There is no such thing as a power of inherent sovereignty in the government of the United States. In this country, sovereignty resides in the people and Congress can exercise no power which they have not by their constitution entrusted to it. All else is withheld. And here's the Supreme Court in 1886, Yick Woe Hopkins. Sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law for it is the author and source of law. While sovereign powers are delegated to the government, sovereignty itself remains with the people. Sovereignty means supreme power. Our Declaration of Independence describes what powers the people have toward government. It declares that our unalienable rights are given to us by our creator, lists the various grievances with the royal government of the state of Great Britain, and then wraps up by declaring that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. And as such, they have and of right ought to have full power 
to make war, conclude peace, establish commerce, and do all the other acts and things which other states may rightfully do. We were separating from the state of Great Britain. And now each of the colonies had become a sovereign state. Our pledge of allegiance is wrong. It's not one nation under God. It's 50 nations under God. How does the second paragraph of the Declaration begin? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. We are sovereign people living in sovereign states. Do you know your constitutional rights? Did you know that you have none? What you have are unalienable rights from our creator that the constitution was designed to protect. And most of us were never taught our rights. Since we don't know them, it's the equivalent of not having them. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are three of them. What are the others? How about the right to assembly? And if you have that right, then you do not have, do you not have the right to travel to that assembly? Do you need a license from a government to do that? We have the right to remain silent, the right to trial by jury, the right to defend ourselves. We have the right to live in peace without interference when we are law abiding. And there's many more rights. Now, let me tell you what you have not been taught by a propaganda driven, dumbed down government run education system. This is our true government structure as founded that gives we the people all of the power because we are sovereign people living in sovereign states. At the top of our government is God and our God-given natural rights, unalienable rights that cannot be taken from us. And with that is common law based upon the common sense given to us by our creator. Now this is accompanied by the law of grammar. Words must be truthful. Our de facto government is filled with grammar fraud. In the IRS manuals, the statement that the income tax is voluntary. Did you know that? Now underneath this first tier is the fourth and fifth branches of government we were not taught. The fifth branch is we the people in assembly. And the fourth branch is the jural assembly system. This is where we each have one vote, but those votes are in assembly, in a grand jury, in a trial jury, and in elections. And all of this sits above the Constitution, not under it. The Constitution is a compact among the states to provide certain limited enumerated services. It was ratified by the states. The states existed before it and have authority over it. The Constitution creates the other three branches of government, the executive, legislative, with its two houses of Senate and House, and the judicial. We send representatives to these three branches to do the people's business. 
Now, before I describe this fourth branch of government further, let's take a quick look at the history of what supports this system and from which it was derived. In early England, the barons revolted against the excesses of King John. To settle the rebellion, the Magna Carta was signed in June 1215. In Article 61 of that charter were provisions for a selection of 25 barons to have power over the king when the king's officials violated the provisions. They could not hurt the king or his family, but otherwise they had the power to redress the grievances of the people. This is the foundation of the grand jury of 25 people with two alternates. By the way, much earlier in 1066, Henry II appointed 12 knights to maintain law. This is partly where the 12 person pettit jury comes from. Now, when the Mayflower passengers came to the New World Plymouth Colony in 1620, they were of mixed religions, unlike how they had first started out and include indentured servants. So before they left the ship, they created an agreement as to how the group would be governed. This simple document guided the first self-government in America. In 1638, three major towns of Connecticut got together and guided by Reverend Thomas Hooker, developed the first constitution in America known as the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut. They were based upon the laws in the book of Deuteronomy. These were also adopted by Rhode Island and Rhode Island and Connecticut were the only ones of the colonies to not have to develop new constitutions upon forming the union. Now the colonies became sovereign states with the Declaration of Independence in 1776. This document is one of the greatest creations of mankind founded on divine law and is in operation today. This is not just a dead historic document of times past. It is alive and fully functional today. Now this was a resolution given by an assembled body. First, it states that a notice is required of the causes of a political separation. Then it makes the startling and immensely important statement of fact, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, and so on. Self-evident, all equal, endowed by their creator, un alienable rights. Government is there to secure these rights. Consent of the governed. Then follows that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. Laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. The resolution then lists all of the grievances the colonies have with England. Following the list is the statement that previous notices have been ignored. Quote, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury, unquote. Then, it declares the colonies sovereign states.
Now, the adoption of this resolution on the 2nd of July, 1776, was the termination of all lawful authority of the king over the 13 United Colonies. The Americans now owed no more allegiance to England than they owed to Germany or France or Spain. They were no longer rebels or insurgents. They claimed their recognition as one among the family of nations of the earth. A few years later, in 1781, the Articles of Confederation were created. The people were so afraid of centralized power that these articles ended up being so weak that we almost lost the Revolutionary War. The central government had almost no power to act. But a few of the key provisions are establish the name of the nation as the United States of America. It stated that each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence, and every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation expressly delegated to the new federal government called the United States in Congress assembled. It established the sovereign states as one sovereign nation for their common defense, the security of their liberties, and their mutual and general welfare, binding themselves to assist each other against all force offered to or attacks made upon them. Nine states were required to approve the admission of a new state into the Confederacy. It pre-approved Canada should those provinces apply for membership. It declares that the Articles of Confederation are perpetual and can only be altered by approval of Congress with ratification by all the state legislatures. And this document is still alive. It is not a dead document. Now, under the Articles, the first President of the United States was elected unanimously, John Hansen, taking office November 5th, 1781. He was from Maryland. Now, after the war, realizing the inadequacies of the Articles of Confederation, a new constitution was written in 1789. After much discussion between the opposing Federalists and Anti-Federalists, the constitution was presented to the bickering states with a request to approve the draft as is and then submit proposed amendments. The draft was ratified by all of the colonies in 1789. And then over 180 um, amendments were sent in. Now, these were reduced primarily by Madison to 12 articles, which were submitted for ratification. And 10 of them were added to the Constitution as what we know now as the Bill of Rights. And the amended Constitution ratified by the states in 1791. Then George Washington was elected to our fourth republic as the 20th president of America and the ninth president of the United States. I hope that you recognized in our history and historical documents, the role played by an assembly of people. We, the people assembled, provide a sovereign body that can direct the government. The way this works is that we, the people assemble to determine the will of the people. Once that is known, the government is directed to act accordingly. If the government officials do not fulfill the will of the people, then the assembly can intervene as an assembly or can call a people's grand jury to protect the innocent 
indict the guilty and audit the government. Those indicted by a du jour grand jury are then tried by a du jour pettit jury. No judge is involved and all is done according to common law. Now, common law or the people's law differs from statute law created by the de facto corporate government. Common law is based upon God's law and common sense. Do no harm, do not trespass, no victim, no crime. And the injured party cannot be the state. The resolution is by making the victim whole through reparation, not just incarceration of the perpetrator. Right now, over 30 states are in the process of reestablishing the original republic that we lost in 1861, when the southern states seceded and the union was broken. We were never reconstructed. Then we lost our constitution in 1871 and the fraudulent corporate, fraudulent corporate government took control. Missouri is one of the 18 states in the lead assembled November 20th, 2021. The process now is to establish county assemblies throughout the state so that we can settle the state in a de jure lawful status. Once 38 states have become settled, we can reclaim our fifth branch of government, the National Assembly, and fire the de facto government services corporation we'll no longer need. One of the assembly's major activities is educating the public of their rights and powers. In addition to impaneling grand juries to address grievances from those harmed by public officials violating their oaths. By the way, since every official is required by the constitution to take an oath and most are bonded with surety bonds, when they violate their oaths, they become personally liable for monetary damages for the harm they have caused. A harmed individual can't, without the involvement of a court, make claims against the official's surety bond. If the bonding company honors the claim and pays the damages, usually the official can no longer be bonded and loses his office. If the bonding company does not honor the claim, the official may still be indicted under a section of the Civil Rights Act, USC 18242, deprivation of rights under color of law. Now the de facto state may claim sovereign immunity from being sued, but individual officers do not have sovereignty. They are personally liable if they violate their oath and are ignorant if they did not secure the government provided surety bonds to protect their property. Here's the General Assembly mission statement. We the people claiming our God-given rights based in Christian principles intend to return and maintain the governance of Missouri, a free and independent nation state to the status proclaimed by the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, the original organic constitution dated 1787 and amended 1791. These God-given rights are for all people, realizing the only limitation which affects a God-given right is where there's a conflict between the rights claimed by two or more sovereign people. The free presentations that are being given provide sufficient information for anyone to decide whether he or she wants to get involved with a general assembly and participate as an elector and jury member. 
and educational websites provided that shows a schedule of presentations being given and inside are a considerable number of hyperlinks to online materials as well as reference works and supplemental material. This is not theory or just a protest. This is re-establishing our true government structure that gives the power back to the people. Here's what that looks like. Each level, beginning with counties, has an assembly. Each assembly has the tools of grand juries and trial juries available. From the assemblies, electors choose government officials whom they continually oversee. The assemblies have been missing and the de facto officials have taken control of the grand juries and trial juries. We need to restore the original structure. So if you're interested in being part of the solution to all of the current problems we are encountering with a corrupt government, if you're interested in helping to secure the blessings of liberty to your fellow citizens and your posterity, and you're willing to take time away from television, sports, and social clubs, then you're needed. The steps to take is you need to commit to attending some educational presentations and start self-study of materials that can be made available to you. You need to agree to start participating in regular monthly informal meetings that are preparatory to formal assembly. These meetings have the purpose of getting to know one another, providing educational opportunities, and assist the recruiting process to gain the necessary numbers to assemble. Now, when the informal group as a whole believes they have 15 regular committed members, is regularly meeting, and decides that it's time to establish a permanent Republican form of county government, then the formal assembly is scheduled. If you live in a county that's already assembled, then you may attend some of the monthly assembly meetings as a visitor. And then later, after you've discerned the correctness of this step, you can join the assembly. Now, <clears throat> Plato was a Greek philosopher. He wrote a book, one of the classics called The Republic, in which he opined that only philosophers were qualified to govern. But he did say this, the price good men pay for indifference to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. Article four, section four of our constitution says, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. What does that look like? Why don't we have it? How do we get it back? Those are the questions that we are answering. Let me leave you with this. This is from Thomas Jefferson. Who will govern the governors? There's only one force in the nation that can be dependent upon to keep the government pure and the governors honest. And that is the people themselves. They alone, if well-informed, are capable of preventing the corruption of power and of restoring the nation to its rightful course if it should go astray. They alone are the safest depository of the ultimate powers of government. 
Bill, I'm going to have to say that uh, I probably learned more in 32 minutes than I did in uh, all of eighth and ninth grade history. And, uh, you know, anything I learned in college, I pretty much can just unlearn and just apply what you just said here. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and hear from you a little bit about six characteristics of a general general assembly. Then we're going to get into a few questions and answers from you. And also we want to share with our viewers and our audience a lot of resources where they can go and do continuous study and educate themselves on this. So we're going to be with you. We'll be right back. There's a couple things that I never miss any day ever. And, and one of them is Cardio Miracle. If I could have, I would have started taking this when I was 20. Since I've been taking Cardio Miracle on a very consistent basis, my recovery time is amazing. I really want to be a walking testimonial of what Cardio Miracle does for the body. I just feel, I feel good all over. For me as a doctor, Cardio Miracle is a staple. I have seen Cardio Miracle improve the lives of many of my patients with many different types of chronic conditions. This is something that's actually made a huge difference and it's staying that way. It's not just a, a fluke, it's real. Cardio Miracle for me and my husband has, has saved our life, literally. Cardio Miracle for us, for me, for my family was a lifesaver. We will never be without Cardio Miracle. Cardio Miracle to me is hope in a glass. When you create nitric oxide, you are igniting the spark of life in the cell. It is the miracle molecule. That's why we call this Cardio Miracle, because of nitric oxide and what it can do for the whole body. All right, we're back with Bill, and we're wanting to hear about the six areas of the General Jural Assembly. Take it away. Right. If, if we're to be successful in restoring our republic for the United States of America, there are certain issues or areas that we must master or qualities that we must demonstrate. And I've divided them into six major areas. The first I will refer to as spiritual sense. Everything starts with God, our creator. It is to him that we look for our salvation. We all must understand that the battle going on is between good and evil and that evil cannot stand when good is all-powerful. There is a worldwide spiritual awakening going on where those whose spiritual sense is active are aware. But human religious doctrines divide us, and the Luciferians have been using that divide against us for many years. For example, you might offer a prayer of petition asking God to do something. While you are doing that, I am offering a silent prayer of affirmation and acknowledgement that because God is omnipotent and divine love, he already knows our needs before we ask him and has already supplied it. Are we working at odds? Not really, because we're both acknowledging where our salvation lies, regardless of separate beliefs about God's character and how he operates. We do not need to get into an argument about which doctrine might be correct. Our founding fathers put all differences aside in order to give us the greatest government structure ever to be seen on this earth. Thus, it is spiritual sense and not doctrine that we must express. And another point, 
Although our government comes from God, and all of us must be relying on spiritual sense, our assembly's operation is secular, without religious basis. It is God-based, not religion-based. There's a difference. Assemblies operate in common law, which involves a whole library of maxims developed by intelligent men over the centuries, founded in common sense, given to all of us by God. We do not operate in canon law, church law, which derives from doctrinal teachings. Next, we must have moral fortitude. We must have the strength of conviction to consistently do what is right. This is the demonstration of what our individual spiritual sense is telling us. Our government was founded upon the principle that a moral people is required for self-government. We may have selfish motives or a personal sense of what we individually would like to see, but at all times, the good of the whole must be foremost. This is not a sacrificing of oneself for the good of the whole. That theory is anathema to common law. Rather, what we are talking about are the two great commandments given to us by God's messenger, Christ Jesus, who told us we needed to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So we demonstrate the qualities of love in our assembly work, practice what we preach, hold accountable those who do wrong, and courageously address the issues with honesty, integrity, morality, tenacity with moral fortitude. We always conduct ourselves in peace and honor. One quality very much needed is patience and forbearance with one another. We are all at different stages of experience and education, and we do not have a lot of experience working together in people's assemblies. So we need to be patient with one another as we all learn this renewed process of self-government. We would err egregiously if our moral fortitude is used to fight for an immoral cause. We must exercise discernment to both recognize and know the difference between right and wrong. We, the people, have been deceived in many, many ways over many years. We must use our God-given common sense and our spiritual sense to uncover what has been hidden, to understand what is right, and hold to it to uncover the wrong and properly deal with it. At this point, to fight for the wrong thing because we did not take the time to investigate the facts in order to discern the truth would be a terrible tragedy. We must use discernment. We must distinguish between the unreal and what is real, the truth. Know that nothing unreal is true and then only act having all of the facts. The people's de jure assembly is the body politic that determines the will of the people, which can be conveyed to the public servants in the government doing the work of the people and protecting the people's rights. The majority vote that formalizes that will of the people should be supported by an individual's clear discernment when making that vote. Every single individual has a duty before they vote of having the moral fortitude to do the right thing and the practice discernment to know what the right thing is. And one vote in a trial jury can make the difference between an innocent or guilty verdict 
and the consequence to the defendant affecting his or her life. Education. We have determined that education is the key. Jesus told us that the truth will make us free. Now he prefaced that with, if ye follow in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So we've already stated that spiritual sense is needed. We lurk to God and that moral fortitude is needed. Follow the word. A disciple is a student. So as disciples, we are given the promise that we will know the truth and the truth will make us free. There is a great need to search diligently for the truth, the reality. We must understand history so as not to repeat the bad, but continue the good. We must understand common law, which is the glue holding society together in unity. We must understand how the law is applied and the rules of operation of our assemblies, our juries, our courts, and our society in general. And once we have properly learned, we have a moral obligation to teach. If we truly love our fellow man, we want him to benefit from knowing the truth. This is not just a religious tenet. This is our moral fortitude in operation. This is the required demonstration of Emmanuel or God with us. We must learn what we need to know and then we must teach it to others. For those just being introduced to this concept of restoring our lost republic and operating in jural assemblies, you should know that the rest of us are doing everything we can to develop educational presentations and materials, to direct others to historical resources and to encourage self-education. New members in particular, but all are included in a requirement to self-educate. For too many years, we have been spoon-fed information from corrupt sources and mind-controlled to simply accept as reality what we are told. Using our God-given common sense and discernment, we can discover for ourselves the reality. But the tendency is to sit back and let others do the work. It must, this must be dealt with. Too many, for too many years, have literally sat on the couch and relied on others to do what they should have been doing for themselves. If you are not individually, actively seeking the truth, you are not fulfilling the role of true citizenship required of a free people. Those contemplating joining our assemblies must first search out what we are telling you. You must understand and then study it in order to take it to heart. And we need organization. Everything cannot happen all at once and we need order, efficiency and effectiveness in our assemblies. So we need structure and rules. We need rules to follow to protect people's rights while we effectively work together for the common good. The assembly as a body politic is a deliberative body. Deliberate means to fully consider, not impulsive. So we need foundational documents which everyone understands, such as our individual and settlement covenants. We need organizational documents such as our formation operations and functions bylaws and operational rules, such as rules of order. I like to say that rules are our tools. 
We all must understand our documents, their meaning and intent, and how they fit together. If we are to suppress the impulsive, then we must have a process that forces us to effectively, efficiently, and inclusively deliberate. We all must know the organization and the rules so that we can fulfill our moral obligation to properly participate, to do what we promise to do when we take our oaths. The foundation, the organization, and the rules keep us from slipping into anarchy with no government or tyranny, too much government. That moral duty to participate cannot be exercised properly without the proper organization to operate within. And that organization structure is first created with written documents. Everyone must realize that words are expressing thoughts. The language being placed on the paper must properly reflect the thought. The correct words to be used make a difference. For example, the word lawful is distinguished from the word legal. They are not synonyms. Our state covenant contains several pages of definitions, making sure that the use of specific words cannot be misunderstood. We must be educated in our language, etymology, and grammar beyond what has been so inadequately taught by our schools in recent years. And if we are to be, del if we are to be deliberate and not impulsive, then we must focus on what is important. This focus is the last issue in my categorizations. We are all aware in varying degrees of the great harm that has been done and at this moment is still continuing. There are many of us involved in the general assemblies that have sharp personal experience with this harm and the horrendous evil beliefs behind it. But our focus cannot continue to be on the harm and on those who have harmful intent. We have been doing that in varying degrees for many years without much success in our endeavors. This was primarily because the entire evil had not been uncovered. But just because it has been uncovered does not mean that now our efforts will be successful. The problem is that our tools are not designed to be effective against a tyrannical corporate structure supported by Luciferian beliefs and orchestrated by an elite few. We need to stay focused on the understanding that it is the restoration of our republic that will allow us to remove for all time the tyranny currently being imposed on us. We do not trespass on the corporate structure. We only communicate with them via public notice. We do not taunt them or try to retaliate. What we are doing is using our God-given rights to restore the government of by and for the people. Once that is in place, we will be able to fully exercise our sovereignty and control a government that protects our rights. It is personally dangerous and it can also destroy an assembly to impetuously act against the corrupt corporate structure prematurely. In fact, once we're fully assembled, the de facto government will totally lose its power over us. Then the grand juries using common law can do their work holding accountable those that have knowingly done harm. What I am talking about when referring to focus is really a paradigm shift in thought.
We need to start thinking from the standpoint of being free, sovereign people operating within a true republic as the electors. We are not slaves of a corrupt government rebelling against that tyranny using common law against statute law. Now to be able to operate properly with the proper focus, we need to assemble. Until we have fully assembled, we cannot focus correctly. We do not have the tools we need and we will not be successful in counteracting the evil. By not being assembled, we are delaying our salvation from the corrupt tyranny. Every ounce of effort and thought we put in the wrong direction deprives our county and our country to that extent of where we could be if properly focused. We must concentrate our thought, our energy, and our time on every particular detail needed to properly, lawfully, permanently establish our assemblies and restore our republic. So in summary, we must rely on God as our spiritual sense reveals him to us for our salvation, our security, our government. Then we must exercise the moral fortitude to always do the right and to resist the wrong. To do that, we must use discernment to distinguish between right and wrong. True citizenship requires not just a moral and virtuous people, but also an educated one. Therefore, education, and particularly self-education, is a requirement. But an assembly does not just sit there, it must act. In order to act, there must be organization, which includes a foundational structure upon which it stands, a mechanism to operate, and rules for efficient and effective operation. And that action must be focused in the right direction and in the right way. The jural assemblies, the de jure grand juries extracted from them, and the militia to protect the people are the three required elements of self-government. Those who take the step of signing and committing to the jural covenant of office become members of the assembly and qualified electors. They select our government servants, and from them are selected grand and petted jury members. It is an honor and privilege to be a member of a de jure assembly, and it carries with it a solemn responsibility to strive to be the most virtuous and educated we can be, to be demonstrated our highest sense of right and selflessness. Thank you. So, Bill, I want to say this to you and to our audience. First of all, thank you for, for presenting. Thank our audience for listening. Wow. But this has been a, a, a considerably different type of, of, of show and presentation. Normally, we do interview style where we're, we're asking questions. You're, you're, you're coming on and you know answering questions. But we thought it was important that our viewers and our audience and our listeners were able to hear the basics and the core principles of this from from the very beginning. So that's one reason why we wanted to kind of let you just take and run with this, not have any interruptions back and forth because sometimes that, you know, breaks take, people's thoughts and takes concentration. Takes you off track. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I just want to give full transparency on that's one of the reasons why this this show went in that direction. So we have had several questions come in, so I'd like to jump into some Q&A here real quick, if you're okay with that. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the first questions we have, Bill, is 
what does settling mean and what's the effect on a county once it's accomplished? And please expound and quantify what it means for a county to be settled. So first, uh, a county gets together and literally assembles. Then they give proper notification of the fact that they have assembled. And at the end of that notification period, if there's been no rebuttal from anyone that says, hey, you can't do this, the county is settled. That is, they have a de jure assembly for the next 1,000 years or more. And from what we've heard and experienced, county, uh, whenever you give the presentations, you know, there, there is no rebuttal. I mean, for, from everybody that we've talked Correct. to in all the different counties and all the different states across they the country, don't know what it is. There, there has been zero rebuttals and, you know, they become subtle. They can't quickly. rebut. They can't rebut because what we are doing is lawful. It is, it, we, we do everything according to the law. So there is no rebuttal. And then part of that question was then what does the county get to do? And initially, not much other than continue to grow and educate because we haven't restored our republic yet. So the next question is, can county assemblies engage the militia? Well, by engage, if you mean uh, communicate with and cooperate with, the answer is yes. They so, do not go get the militia to say, go after somebody. Right. That is right. not what we do. Yeah, because we don't want to give the wrong impression. When we say the word militia, you know, we, you know we're not, uh, you not know, terrorists. Wanting to dress up in camo and, and carry all kinds <laughs> of, uh, you know, assault weapons that they want to ban, you know, to, uh, to scare the pants off. Right. The, 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 the militia are an integral part of self-government. We must have the militia to protect the people. That's how it was designed. So let's build upon that. I just had this thought. When this gets developed out, does the militia have power over the corporate law enforcement? Corporate law enforcement will be gone. There will be no corporate. Okay. So all we, we have get... is the restored republic, and then the militia would uh, would protect the people against invasion, against criminal gangs, whatever the case might be. And the officers of the militia are appointed by the chief trustee of the state. Okay. All right. Number three, Bill, is have any counties provided any petition of grievances to a de facto county government that you know of? In, in our state, no. I think there may have been some in other states where they've done a petition of grievances. Um, that's all I know at this point. Okay. Uh, do you think Missouri will become the next state to become de jure? Are we kind of on that pace? It's, it's possible. We're moving right along. We're basically, our, our rate is about uh, assembling a county once per month. Okay. Uh, so we could easily be there before fall. Okay. So, Bill, you and we are all in the great state of Missouri, the show me state. So I, I, I guess that we are showing other people kind of how to do this assembly thing. So just give our viewers and our audience a little bit of uh, a background on, you know, where Missouri is, how fast we're moving, how many counties have been assembled, just so they kind of get an idea. Yeah, we need to get 15 to um, get to the point where we were at the time before we became a state. We were assembled du jour prior to becoming a state. And at that time, we had 15 counties. So if we get 15 counties assembled 
At that point, we can then go through the settlement process for the state to get settled du jour. Um, we uh, will, by, by next weekend, we will have 10 counties. 10 out of 15 in the state of Missouri. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty good. So you mentioned right. something about 38. What's there's 15? 38 states. When 38 states are du oh, jour, you, okay, you then said we states. have I'm, our I'm, full, we've, we will have fully restored our Republican form of government for the Republic of the United States. Okay. I thought you said counties and I was confused there for a minute. No. Well, <clears throat> I may have misspoken, but. No, no. I think it was me. 38 states. Go ahead. <clears throat> the next question, Bill, is what is the Covenant Committee? In the Missouri General Assembly? Well, we, um, as part of the process before we could start settling counties, the state assembly had to agree upon a covenant for the state, the state covenant. Uh, it is a trust document, and in it there is a chief trustee um, that is the chief executive. This acts similarly to a, a, an amendment of the 1820 Constitution. So in the 1820 Constitution, the organic Constitution of Missouri, for example, it permits slavery. Our new covenant does not, right? It adjusts that. Well, we approved the language and set it aside um, so that the county settlement covenants could now reference it. But at a later date, we will pull this out again and make sure that we adopt it for the state and put it into place. And so we have a committee that every month continues to work on our founding documents to make sure that at some point in time in the future, when we pull this out, it will be a document to last for the ages. All right, so <clears throat> this is kind of a uh, a question we all think about. Is it useless to try to get our America First candidates into office, into the de facto office? I want to clarify that, the de facto office. Or do we just give up on the de facto entirely? How do we, how do we deal with that? I, I describe it this way. There are those doing that who are on the battlements, holding off the foe, while the assembly restores the republic that will win the war. So it becomes a matter of to what extent you want to continue to fight that battle and sacrifice good soldiers into that corrupt system. If, if we think all we have to do is elect a bunch of new good Republicans and put them in there, that will fix things. Mm -hmm. Well, what has been your observation over the years? And the answer is, that's insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over again, getting the same results. Okay, Bill. Michigan has been de jure since 2013. Why has it taken so long for other states to wake up? Good question. It's the extent of the deception. The best example is everybody knows the story of the Titanic. They just don't know the right story. Right. Everybody knows we have a Federal Reserve. They just don't realize it's not our, it's not federal and reserves nothing. They don't, we, people know that there's fiat currency, but they don't know what that really means and, and how that has kept us slaves. So the failure to awaken is the result of the deep 
deception and quite literally mind control, primarily out of the Tavistock Institute. Um, and you understand the CIA has been feeding the news to the news media for years and years mm -hmm. uh, to get their agenda. So we have been listening to propaganda. Our educational systems have been dumbed down. Uh, the truth has been hidden from us. The history books have been rewritten. When once this starts to be uncovered, those of us that are awake see it. But those who are still asleep are still asleep. Mm -hmm. And that's been the problem. So that's why this is taking time. A second part of it is the bad guys know that this will give us our power back. So they've been doing everything possible to try to keep us from assembling. The assassination of JFK was actually part of that. He had warehouses of educational materials on restoring our republic. That's one of the reasons he was assassinated. Yeah, we're not taught that either. <clears throat> so when you look at where we're at in Missouri, and we got, say we're at 10 counties and we get to the 15, uh, at what point if we select a county, let's say we take, I think ours might be the, the largest county. If we take that, at what point do we kind of evolve into a point where we start, I don't want to use the term power, but have authority to start filing grievances, developing you a grand jury? You want to get your assembly to about a thousand people meeting regularly. And then you will, from that assembly, you will elect officers. You'll elect your sheriff and your township clerk and so on. You need to get all of your de jure offices filled like the 1901 Supreme Court decision said. People, people's offices are, exist, but they failed to be occupied. You need to occupy those offices, and then those people will um, learn their positions to be ready to take over. Personally, this is personal, I, I don't believe we're gonna go through a long process. I believe things are rapidly um, coming to an end. I mm -hmm. think we're going to see overt actions here very soon. We know that banks are failing. Um, the, the petrodollar is no longer. Um, so many things that are happening. Just by the way, I was on Facebook and went to their short reels and just started going through them. 90% of those reels are red pilling, meaning they are telling the truth that has been so long hidden. And that's amazing for it to yeah. be on Facebook. Bill, we have to know also, somebody wants to know, how can we get other so-called conservatives and patriots on board quicker? <laughs> it's, it's really person to person. It's people talking to people, ask, and in the conversation, determining whether someone has a, a grievance. And then you'd say, well, sounds like you've got a grievance. Is there something you'd like to do about that? What have you been doing about it? And then memorize Article 4, Section 4. Do, are you familiar with our Constitution? Well, yeah. What's Article 4, Section 4? They won't know. Well, Article 4, Section 4, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. What does that look like? They will not know. Mm -hmm. So you say, wouldn't you like to know what the Constitution says we should have? And that, in fact, 
is the answer to your grievance. And then you try to get them to an educational presentation. So what, how do you answer this question? When people say, hey, what are the benefits and the drawbacks of joining an assembly? How do we respond? The drawback is you might be forced to sit for hours and be bored. And learn truth. <laughs> and learn truth. <laughs> right. Uh, you have to take some time away from family. You know, so it, we're not talking about a bunch of money. This, this doesn't involve a bunch of money. It just involves standing up and being involved. What's the benefit? Leaving for your posterity, for your children, for others, a freedom that the world has not known before. We, this, this, is, this is biblical in nature. This is, we are eliminating an evil from this earth that's been here for centuries, and we are doing it through a restoration of the government of we, the people, by sovereign, free individuals. So that is, that's an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. It does require learning a lot. It requires work. And not, it's not for everybody. But if you're not in the assembly, you can still support the assembly's work. You can send people that way. You can still get educated. You can help us with educational um, events and, and initiatives. We need to train an entire generation of young people that know nothing. So, so <clears throat> I want to follow up on that, that thousand people. Once we get to a thousand people and then we start electing and appointing our positions, that thousand people becomes our governing body and the remaining 500,000 in the county are just the civilians. That's right. That's the Republican form of government. Everybody can be in the assembly mm -hmm. if they're, they're a resident and you know, they're otherwise qualified, but it's going to be only those that are willing to stand up right. and take part and be a, you know, be, be a citizen. And the other people will still sit on the couch and and let others do the work for them. That's okay. But with the republic structure, those who really care and know and understand will be the ones governing the governors, not the mobocracy of people that just vote, swayed mm -hmm. by the mass media. And, and lobbyists and all that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Bill, while ago and you our, said it our, doesn't. I'm sorry. You all ago you said it doesn't take a lot of money. You know, in America now, I mean, we all know how important our sports and our Starbucks is. I mean, you know, sports takes a lot of time. Starbucks takes a lot of money. So people have to put that at the top of the list because that's you know of uber importance now to everybody in America. So if people were to ask, you know, Bill, what time investment and what money investment do I have to do, and and am I willing to do this to uh, to improve the future of my kids and grandkids? What would you say would people have to, people would have to invest in time and money? Well, time, a minimum if you're in the assembly, is a, a couple hours a month to attend the meeting and be there. But then you probably would want to be on some committees mm -hmm. and do work outside of the assembly. But that's up to you to whatever extent you do it. As far as money, we're talking a pittance at this point. What we're, we need money for educational materials 
to support our website development, things like that. So we're talking in the, you know, you can build a website for $4,000. So you spread that around, we're talking, you know, you could have a, a $5 admittance fee to come to your assembly and pretty much um, handle it. One thing people need to understand is they look at government today and don't realize that 80% of what they see is totally unnecessary. It was put there by the de facto corporation to generate revenue from us. Uh, it is not there, it is not our government. So the, the Republican form of government will be much more streamlined and does not need nearly the money. And by the way, there will be no income tax. There will be no property tax. Those are not needed. Most people do not realize that the income tax never went to our government. It, it was interest on the fiat currency. It was going to the bankers, mm -hmm. the international bankers. Didn't go to us, didn't go to our government. So, so the way I understand, there's no upfront membership fee of like $5,000 in an ongoing mm -hmm. monthly continuity program like uh, Netflix or- uh, No multi-level marketing. It's not, no no, no multi-level nope. marketing going on here. And that's how you can tell the difference. If you're looking at other organizations out there that say, hey, join us, it's only 25 bucks a month or whatever. They're not us. So people can pay, they can just donate. I mean, it sounds to me like it's more of a donation type of, all, of environment. You can donate five bucks, or right. if you're a wealthy it's, businessman, 5,000. Yeah, or businesswoman, I don't want, I want to be inclusive here. Right, yeah. at some point so. in the future, we will need to have taxes to fund our government. We will determine the taxes. We will determine the tax rate. It will be more than likely um, sales taxes akin to the fair tax system that was proposed a number of years ago. But no no property taxes, alloidial deeds. No one can ever take your property. So with that said, how do you see the, we call them the government indoctrination buildings where the, the schools are that are so heavily funded by our property tax, when that goes away, how do you envision the education system? Will those buildings be sold? Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. There's there'll be no government education. Government has no business in the education. No, we we've learned that. That just um, might be a T-shirt that we add to our apparel uh, our apparel selection. Government has right. no place in education. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's right. We may or government, may not give you credit for that. I know, but you know, <laughs> government. If look up the look up government it comes from Latin governo and meant mind. It means government means to control the mind. That's what they've been doing with our students. They've been controlling the minds of the students. And uh, so we're gonna go back, we'll be having homeschool, we'll having um, uh, chartered schools. It will be, uh, somebody wants to open a school and charge for it, the capitalist system will make them compete with the other schools mm -hmm. to see who comes out the better students. So, um, and the school buildings that are out there will be sold and the money put in the municipal, um, till and then use for whatever purposes that'd be glorious indoctrination camps <laughs> i have one final question bill randy may have another one too but one that came in is what happens if local county state or federal agencies find out i'm part of a general assembly are they going to haul me off are they going to lock me up are they going to take my property what's going to happen to me well, and my family we know under the circumstances right now at any time, any of us 
could could have the the so-called government attack us. Mm -hmm. This has been going on. We we know of of uh, neighbors and friends and so on that have had this. So could it happen? Sure. It's not going to happen just because we're in the assembly. It's just it's going to be happen because of the system that we're dealing with. But when we assembled the state, we sent a notice to the governor and to the attorney general of our existence. They know it and they know that they are not going to mess with us. So I have two more. And Bill, can you kind of explain to the viewers how the, the, the system works as far as each county would send a delegate and then how that structure looks when you, if you get all the way to federal? Right. Compared to what we have now. Yeah, the Republican form of government, all the power is local. That county assembly is the body politic that determines the will of the people. It is the government. Now, the counties together as a state want to be able to do things. So each county will send a delegate to the House of Delegates and each six county region will send a statesman to the House of Statesmen. That is the terminology of our new, under our Republic of Missouri uh, legislature. They will then from that have provide representatives to our national. For example, the constitution originally said that the legislatures elected the senators, right? Before amendment 17 changed it unlawfully. Um, so it'll be more like that. So it is, it's not from the bottom up. <laughs> the, the federal is not on the top. The, the counties are on the top and they delegate downward their authority to representatives. That's not what I was taught in school. <laughs> I didn't. I thought the the federal was on top. That's what. That's what. That's yeah. what they learned me when I was in school. They yep. schooled right. me really good there. You well, I mean? I'll tell you the. Uh, so, the difference is the people vote to send that delegate. Okay, they send them up. If that delegate goes up there and starts misrepresenting the people, we can have him pulled out or her pulled out. Yes. Without you all got this it, rigmarole. Right. They came out of our assembly. You're out. We got we right. You tell hey, they've got to do what we tell them to do. Now, if it's criminal action, then we the people can call our grand jury and investigate, and our grand jury can take them out. So, so kind of the same situation. I'm gonna go back to that thousand people. We're the gov the the thousand people are the government, and let's say there's a balance of five hundred thousand people in the county. We send our delegates we how do we how do we communicate with the other 500,000 that that's what we're doing is the will of them well ideally um, you're you're going to be in the community you're going to know what's going on that's okay. part of the the process and they will come to the assembly and say hey this is what we want they will know where the body politic is it will, again, this whole thing is an educational process. Mm -hmm. Every school child should be taught, here's what a Republican form of government oh is, gosh. here's how you deal with it, here's what your rights 
and responsibilities are as a citizen. And you have an opportunity to join or not join. You have an opportunity to be in the government or not. It is called government of, by, and for the people. So if it's by the people, that means there have to be people in government. Well, that government doesn't mean you're just a representative, uh, you know, a delegate. It means you're in the assembly and you're rep you are the representatives of all the rest of the people. I wish we would have been taught this earlier. I, I had no idea. We, we saw this first presentation in January of 2023, Bill, and you know a bunch of people in Clay County attended the first uh, first presentation, and I think everybody left just starstruck as to you know what where was what we're this? looking for. You know, this is what we've been looking for 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 decades, and it's just been you know erased and not not taught to any of us. But I, I I'm just I'm irritated, angry, mad, but encouraged at the same time. But I, I just hope and pray so many more people jump on board and, and get a hold of this information and this, this training. Bill said something very important. The kids need to be learning this stuff now. So I'm thinking if we threw this in the lap of about 10 history teachers, how many of them would actually know this or have they been indoctrinated in their universities to teach what's in the three publishers right. of, of uh, educational materials? Most historians know about the 13th Amendment, for example, but they believe it was never ratified. So they don't know the truth. Um, most historians uh, who get involved, get involved with all of the details following the narrative from the history books, which is the way they've been taught by their professors who also didn't know the truth. So it's just the blind leading the blind and it's been that way yep. for many, many, many years. Well, now that the truth is out there and we need to get it spread uh, as much as we can. And like I said, and what an indicator, Facebook of all places yeah. to, to see all these TikTok small reels telling about the fake Federal Reserve. I mean, there's so many things that are fake. Um, we need to start from scratch. We need to write new history books. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Uh, take, yep. take ones like, like uh, Hillsdale College's 1776 curriculum and then modify it because even Hillsdale is not teaching correctly. Well, speaking of teaching correctly, Bill, I know there's a lot of resources out there, and I highly encourage our audience to go back and listen to this episode two or three times so they can get it. I, I'm, I still learn something new every time. Every I, time. I, uh, we have several, we've had several guests on the topic of Jural Assembly. I think you're the fourth or fifth guest we've had on, and it's nice to hear from different people because you get different perspectives. But I know there are a lot of resources out there that people can go to. Most of them are online. One of them is national-assembly.net. One of them is kirkslawcorner.com. One of them is His Hardline Podcast. His hardline. Yep. One of them is americanciviceducation.org. Patriots with Grit. We've had a lot of episodes on there. I would also highly recommend people go to YouTube and look at Red Beckman's videos, R-E-D-B-E-C-K-M-A-N, and also a lot of videos and training by Carl Miller. So there's six or seven different resources right there that people need to, and I, I want to run through those again real quick. National-Assembly.net, AmericanCivicsEducation.org, His Hardline Podcast, Red Beckman's Videos, 
Kirk's Law Corner, and that's K-I-R-K, kirkslawcorner.com, and then also here at Patriots with Grit. Randy, what were you going to say? I was just going to say we're going to list all these in the show notes. We okay. have to. I know we had somebody respond here after one of our shows, and they didn't catch the National Assembly, so I tried to fill them in in the comments. But, yeah, let's put them in our notes. So Bill, do you have time for one one bonus question and one sure. bonus answer that we're going to leave our audience with? Okay. Sure. Here it is. I want to I want to read it verbatim so we get it exactly here. What are the benefits of being in a general jural assembly as opposed to other activities such as convention of states or state national? Okay. Um, so first, convention of states is a bunch of attorneys working within the de facto to give us a new constitution. We do not need that. Our original constitution and the Articles of Confederation and the Declaration of Independence are just fine. Thank you very much. That's a waste. As far as the American states nationals, what's occurring there is a huge deception to prevent people from assembling. Because if you change your status to an American state national, you're a foreigner and you cannot be in the assembly. You cannot be an elector. The 14th Amendment was unlawfully ratified. Therefore, there is no such thing as a United States citizen that's there only through fraud and perpetrated by the corrupt government over the years. So you don't need to change your status. When you're born in America, you are an American national and that status changes. Technically, that's, that's really more of a title. You're a sovereign individual living on the land. So why would you change your status from that? That that you've got it all right there. So you don't want it, you don't want to be in the convention of states. You don't want to try to change your status. We our paperwork does not change your status. It redeclares your status as a sovereign individual independent from any uh, government powers. Um, I don't know. Have I, have I answered that? I think so. I was say, right on the money. I, I know for a fact this episode is going to generate a lot of uh, a lot of comments, a lot of emails, and uh, most of them are positive. We oh, get yeah. a, we get a few uh, naysayers and a few haters every now and then. Some <laughs> want to shoot holes in these uh, in these episodes that we have, but for the most part, we get uh, you know thumbs up and virtual high fives on all these episodes for Journal Assemblies. Don't you think, Randy? Yes. And Bill, I love the way that you just progressively put us through it. I mean, I've probably heard some of this stuff a million times. Well, not a million times, probably about 40 times. But your, the way you did it this time, for sure, kind of pulled it all together in a, in a short presentation. Yeah, when my seminar, I've got two three-hour seminars. So that tells you that 30 minutes was just a brief <laughs> overview. Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you for uh, thanks for doing what you're doing. I know you oh, do yeah. all this on your own dime. You travel the state of Missouri. I mean, you'll go from St. Louis to the far reaches, the far corners of the state on your own dime. I mean, your own gas, your own right. food, your own hotel. Uh, you don't really ask for or solicit donations or uh, handouts, and that that says a lot right there. Right. But uh, and the the materials are. I mean, it's generic. I mean, obviously, I'm in Missouri, and I'm doing this for Missouri. But I'm willing to go to any state to help with uh, education programs. We, we have learned in Missouri that the trick is you get people to assemble. You literally get them in the room. I mean, 
podcasts like this are helpful it, it over the electronic media. It gets people out there, but to really get an assembly established, you get people in a room and you start educating each other. And that has been our model and that model has been working great. Well, I'll just let you know, I uh, made some connections. We heard there was some rumblings in Nebraska and I, we contacted one gal that we had interviewed a while back out in Ord, Nebraska. And she says she, they've got groups of 150 out there that cover several counties that this might be able to plug right into what they're wanting to do. And Ord, Nebraska, for our viewers, is about a nine-hour drive from <laughs> Kansas City. So, I mean, it's it's a journey for, for Brother Bill to make that trip. We keep getting That's, questions, people sending in. We're, we're probably going to have to have another episode, Randy. Might have to. You know, to address a few, few more of these. But I know we can't address them all tonight. But um, I was unaware, Bill, that you traveled to other states. So... Well, I, I have been I have been to two other states early on, um, and I have over the year have worked the materials in such a way that it is a system that can be given to others to use. So again, the idea if you know you have an obligation to teach. So it's not just teaching, but teaching teachers to teach. So that's where I am now. I'm at the position where if a state wants in for more information or wants me to come and consult with them, I'm willing to travel to the state and meet with some people and show them the system. And then they can take it from there. They can accept it or reject it. It's, right. it's, it's just education. Awesome. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for educating our audience like you have. Uh, thanks for being a trooper and a warrior for America. And uh, I know we're, a lot of us are doing this for our kids and our grandkids and future generations. So we just applaud you and thank you for everything you're doing and just taking your time and money and, and, and doing this great noble deed. We appreciate all this and uh, say thank you so much. Absolutely. And, and you got one thing to look forward to. When we hit du jour, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get you a powdered wig. <laughs> that's right, right. That's right. right. <laughs> all right, and, Bill. And the, and the glasses. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. We're going to have you back on here in a future episode to get us uh, brought up to speed on some more things. All right. Take care, my, my friend. See you. See you. Bye. Our government is printing money at an unprecedented rate. Inflation and financial fear are at an all-time high, and the fiat dollar and economy are going to crash. Whether you're a collector or investor and want to diversify and protect yourself against hard times, or just have real money in your hand, then buy your precious metals from Miles Franklin, who has access to the largest inventory in the United States. You have no minimum or maximum order size. You get to work with brokers who have 30 years experience. You get a company that brings an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, and they're licensed and bonded. Plus, you get free educational resources. Miles Franklin, your source for precious metal investments, 30 years of dependability. Be sure to use referral code GRIT when ordering. Thanks for watching another exciting episode of Patriots with Grit. We want to keep you informed, so if you would, just go over to patriotswithgrit.com and give us your first name and your email so we can keep you up to date. Also, be sure to subscribe, like, and share so we can keep bringing you truth. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.
see ya.